By a sign from the civil rights movement in the 60s, an artist put this up in 2008. But right after President Obama was elected, they took it down. Now fast forward eight years, and President Trump was elected, which prompted the gallery to put the sign back up. And this time, they say it's going to remain there indefinitely. So how big a threat is white supremacy? I asked Mike German, who spent more than 15 years with the FBI, infiltrating white supremacists, and resigned in protest of what he calls a dysfunctional and ineffective counterterrorism strategy. I spent about 14 months undercover in the early 90s with neo-Nazi white supremacist groups, and then in the, the mid to late 90s, undercover with anti-government militia groups. Can white supremacy grow in 2017? Oh, absolutely, and, and I think it has. I think during the campaign, uh, candidate Trump was very overt in his exploitation of white supremacists, and I think it was a mutual exploitation. Trump, unfortunately, also encouraged them in ways that can be dangerous, help them grow their membership, and help normalize what they were doing as far as the racist rhetoric. How big a threat are white supremacists? I think we have to talk about the threat of white supremacy at two levels. There has always been a threat of violence from white supremacists and anti-government groups. Between 10 and 50, sometimes more, deaths a year from this. And that's given that we don't collect data on a lot of these crimes. I think we have a separate problem when we talk about white supremacist ideology influencing policy. And I think that has a potential to do far more harm particularly when you're justifying discriminatory treatment in law enforcement agencies. Why do you think there's so much concern about white supremacy now that Trump is president? I don't think Donald Trump, if you sat him down in a room, really understands white supremacy and these theologies and ideologies that support it. If you looked back in, in the end of 2015, early 2016, at, at the white supremacist bulletin boards and websites, basically the message that you would have seen is don't be fooled by this guy. He's not somebody who understands our movement or is going to help us if he gets in power. And I think the way that Trump took away the soul and made the appeals to racism very overt. In the good old days, this doesn't happen because they used to treat them very, very rough. What happened was uh, all of a sudden mainstream media were putting microphones in front of these long forgotten white supremacists and these white supremacists groups, anti-government groups, they're like D-list celebrities. Any news is good news. So anybody putting a microphone in front of them helps them amplify their message, helps them get introduced to new audiences. So they were happy for that attention. Do you think that President Trump is accelerating the, the appeal of this movement? I think he has. I think he's normalized it. I think President Trump has normalized the idea that you can blame a larger social problem on one subgroup and that it becomes that simple. Immigration in this country is an enormous issue. That requires a deep understanding of what the social problems and broader labor issues are and, and many other issues with our foreign policy and why there are refugees in foreign countries. Well, that's hard. If I say, as Donald Trump did, that Mexicans are criminals coming into this country doing harm and we just need to deport them all and the problem will be over, that's a simple solution I can understand. I don't have to study foreign policy. I don't have to study economics. President Trump has now empowered 
uh, Steve Bannon, who is viewed by many within that community as a leader of, of white supremacist ideology, if you will. Uh, certainly white nationalist. I mean, is this semantics when we say white nationalist, alt-right, and then white supremacist? There are meanings to words, and, and I think it's always best to try to be as clear as possible. I, I mean, this concept of this alt-right was an avenue of expanding the movement beyond just white supremacists, beyond just neo-Nazis, into a, a, a group of people who are otherwise angered but have the same uh, sort of authoritarian impulses to blame it on some weaker subgroup. When he puts his head on the pillow at night, is having daydreams of the Fourth Reich, or whether he's just manipulating an audience that, that he knows these ideas appeal to doesn't matter to me. The, the effect is the same. You're creating policies that are doing great damage, not just to the individuals, but to our society. I mean, we have a very diverse society, and that diversity is our strength. Just last week, three men of Indian descent were shot while they were watching sports at a bar in Kansas. One was killed. Their attacker was yelling at them to, quote, get out of my country. Even here in New York City's Lower East Side, one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the country, a gang of white supremacists attacked two brothers right outside this bar. And the reason why? Well, police say that the brothers were wearing anti-fascist stickers. The Trump administration wants to revamp and rename the U.S. government program of countering violent extremism to focus solely on radical Islamic extremism. Changing that terminology at least makes it clear what the program was. The program was almost entirely, during the Obama administration, focused on Muslim communities. I was not aware of any outreach to churches to ask where Ku Klux Klan's members lived because they're Christians or at least claim to be. That would be totally inappropriate and non, not helpful. But yet they felt perfectly comfortable going into a mosque and asking where ISIS is or Al-Qaeda without really understanding that that's not where these groups operate. And pushing the conversations that we should be having into the corners makes them more dangerous. What was kind of your takeaway, key things that you think most Americans would be surprised to know about white supremacy in America in this day and age? I went in believing this is gonna be something that's just about ignorance and hate and bigotry, but it actually had very complex philosophies and even theologies. To their viewpoint, history is much longer, and whites had, had legal dominance and legal rights above other races, and that was justified through these political and religious ideologies. And it's only been a short time, really, since the end of the civil rights movement that we're trying this, what they would call an experiment in multiculturalism. And they would argue that experiment isn't going well and should be reversed, but it's not a matter of creating a new system. They just want us to go back to the old system. She's never paid a gas bill, electric bill. She's never paid a cable bill. She's never had to pay insurance for her cars. I pay for all that, but that's what a fucking man does for his family. I don't, I don't 
I'm not on no pedestal behind it, but that's what a man is. A man takes care of his family. My wife shouldn't have to worry about a goddamn mortgage payment. She doesn't have to worry about the lights being on, gas being on, food in the motherfucking refrigerator. She don't pay for food. She don't pay for none of that. That's my motherfucking job. Understand me? You don't have to be a pedestal to do that shit. That's what a man do, and a man don't brag about that shit. I'm not bragging at all, but that's what a fucking man does. A man got eight children and 12 grandchildren. Say it again. Okay. And, and I've never been under one child support order in my life. And you take care of all of them. You do for and all of them. And I do for all my kids. Whenever they need me, all they got to do is call their daddy. And I'm right there. So if you meet a motherfucking you. nigga that can't treat you the way your father treats you, you don't need that motherfucker. Oh, mouthful Hello, said. good fucking mouthful said, goddammit. Okay. Mouthful said. Say that shit, MG. <laughs> Amen. 